0: British Prime Minister Theresa May has set a date of March 31st for beginning her country's withdrawal from the European Union, but her government suffered its first legislative defeat on the bill authorizing the Prime Minister to begin the Brexit process when the House of Lords voted to add an amendment to the bill over May's objection. The amendment would protect the right of EU nationals to stay in Britain even after Britain leaves the EU. It will now be sent to the House of Commons, which is set to debate the Brexit bill on March 13th and 14th, but May is sticking to her timetable even as the House of Lords may be planning to consider other amendments. Here to talk with us about these parliamentary maneuverings over Brexit are Professor Steve pears of the University of Essex Law School and Professor Catherine Barnard of the University of Cambridge Faculty of Law. Catherine, what is the significance of the vote by the House of Lords on this bill?
1: because uh, there was uh, an important judgment of our Supreme Court um, in January saying that there needed to be an act of parliament to trigger the Article 50 process, that's the process that will take the UK out of the European Union. And the bill went through the House of Commons very easily. There was a number of amendments proposed that they were rejected. And now the House of Lords are scrutinising it, and they've raised concerns about a number of issues, but particularly about protecting the rights of EU nationals who are already here. And actually, there's quite a lot of cross-party support for giving rights to EU nationals. Uh, but the question is how and when? And the big question is, should it be done in advance of Article 50 being triggered or should it be part of the Brexit negotiations? Because Theresa May says we don't want to give uh, entitlements to um, EU nationals in the United Kingdom now because we want to secure the position of British nationals living in the EU. And this has led to complaints that EU nationals in the UK are being used as bargaining chips, and they say this is not fair.
2: Stephen, the House of Commons will be debating the amended bill where May's Conservative Party has a slender majority. Is the vote likely to go along party lines?
3: Well, it did when the House of Commons first looked at this bill. There were only a few conservative MPs who switched and voted with the opposition, and there were actually one or two Labour um, MPs who switched and voted with the conservatives. And then there were people like Sinn Féin from Northern Ireland who don't uh, take their seats. So uh, unless about 10 conservatives switch, uh, or something like that, the um, because you also have Ulster Unionists on their side. So 10, 15 conservatives would have to switch in order to defeat the government. And that may be um, probably politically unrealistic, but we'll see.
0: Catherine, what happens if, let's say that the House of Commons votes against the amendment, that the parties stay where they are and they vote against the amendment? Will, what happens to the, to the Brexit process? How does May proceed from there?
1: Yeah, so what happens is what's called ping-pong, legislative ping-pong, and literally the um, bill uh, will ping-pong between the lords and the commons. But it's thought likely that ultimately the lords will cave in because the lords are not democratically elected, unlike the commons. Um, And so there is a risk of something of a constitutional crisis if the Lords persist. On the other hand, they have sent out a strong message, and it's a rather strong moral message that the lives of somewhere between three and four million EU nationals who are currently living in the UK are being affected by these decisions, and their families are in a state of considerable uncertainty as to what will happen, what the future holds for them.
2: Peter, Stephen, just uh, a... 30 seconds here, Uh, why is May so insistent on keeping to her timetable?
3: Well, she's made a political promise to her party and to others who support leaving the European Union, and I think it'd be rather embarrassing to go back on it now. They also want to leave before the next European Parliament elections, May of 2019. Unless they get going soon, there's a two-year negotiation window, so um, that would be kind of awkward. They'd run up against that deadline if they don't start the process soon.
0: Britain's Supreme Court ruled that the country's exit from the European Union needs to be approved by Parliament. And Prime Minister Theresa May has asked Parliament to pass a law that does not impose any conditions on her negotiating Britain's exit from the EU. But the House of Lords has passed an amendment protecting the right of non-British EU nationals to stay in Britain after Brexit takes place. We're talking about what this amendment means for May's Brexit strategy with Professor Steve Piers of the University of Essex Law School and Professor Professor Catherine Barnard of the University of Cambridge Faculty of Law. Steve the the House of Lords has passed this one amendment, which is now going to go to the House of Commons. They've also there's also been reports that they're considering other amendments to the law. What are they thinking about?
3: Well, I don't know how many are still left to consider, but I think the big one that is qu- apparently quite likely to pass is another amendment which would say there has to be a vote of Parliament on the final Brexit deal at the end of the whole process. Uh, but then that raises some awkward questions because of what if Parliament says no? Uh, We have a two-year deadline to finish all this up, and you can extend the deadline, but the EU has to agree, and they might not. So does the government still have power to go back and renegotiate, or do we hold another referendum or something and not leave after all, depending on the results of the referendum, or do we just leave the EU without uh, a trade deal? Because the one the government's done, if they even are successful negotiating, isn't good enough, according to Parliament. So that would be uh, a quite a big one, I think, if that one goes through, and potentially uh, an even bigger complication for the government at the end of the process than the one on EU citizens.
2: Catherine, as we said, May is insistent on keeping to her timetable. But if Commons rejects the changes, then it goes back to the House of Lords, what you called uh, ping-ponging. Won't that eat away at her timetable?
1: Yes, it, it might slow it up a bit, um, but it's thought likely she still will trigger by the end of March because of the reason that Steve gave earlier, namely that there's got to be a two-year negotiating process which takes us to 2019, and it needs to be done before the European Parliament elections because uh, there are um, nearly 100 uh British MEPs, members of the European Parliament in Strasbourg, and they have got to be removed. So I think in in practice it's very likely to be triggered in March. Um, There was rumour that he was going to trigger it on the 9th of March when there's a European Council meeting in Brussels, but um, the latest developments uh, suggest that that's probably not going to happen. So it may be delayed a week, maybe a couple of weeks, but also that that time gives a bit of breathing space to the civil service because the civil service are working hard trying to work out what is going to be the UK's position in respect of the negotiations over the Article 50 divorce agreement.
0: Steve, is there any chance that the Prime Minister might actually give in to what the House of Lords wants to do with this amendment? I
3: I think that's unlikely. I mean, she's sort of put a lot of political capital on not giving in. I mean, she could easily give in, but I think, and you know, usually in these sorts of cases, if the House of Lords wants to amend something, there's discussion between the two sides and there's some kind of compromise. But uh, she's put a lot of political capital on not giving in, and what the government can do, uh, it's, it may sound a bit odd to American listeners, is that can, if it really comes down to a crunch, it can appoint extra sort of emergency members of the House of Lords. Uh, that might it's a bit like in America is if, if the president had the power to appoint additional senators to get things through. And that obviously would have simplified life for a lot of American presidents in the past. Um, but you probably, you can't do that. But in Britain, in theory you can do that. And no one's ever done that. The, the threat is usually enough to make the House of Lords comply. So uh, the government can't just abolish the House of Lords or take away its powers as some people would like. What it can do is threaten, uh, realistically threaten to have these extra lords in place. And that, if it came to it, might what pushes the House of Lords back down.
2: So for Americans, Catherine, explain the position of the House of Lords as opposed to the House of Commons, because from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like they have real power. Yeah.
1: Well, they, they they do have power to the extent that they can hold up um, a bill um, and stop it becoming law, um, but they can only hold it up for one year. So, it. Um, but their their power is important, and I think what we would also say is that, of course, they don't have the legitimacy of the Commons because they're not democratically elected. They are there largely through nomination. Um, they're a mix of uh, political nominees, but also. Uh, senior members of the church, senior members of uh, academia. And they have a range of experience and they tend to scrutinise legislation quite closely. Um, and so they have a, a legitimacy through wisdom and experience, but not from the ballot box. And so therefore the laws are very, usually very careful about directly contradicting the power of the commons. And ultimately the commons uh, will, will prevail, So the, the rule of the House of Commons will prevail.
0: Steve, do you think, what do you think the most likely outcome is here, given what the House of Lords has done and is, might do on the other amendment they're considering, uh, just in about 30 seconds?
3: Well, what I think the government will do is it won't want amendments to the bill, but it will make some kind of concessions in terms of promises as to what it will do in the future. And it's already made a few um, promises, which aren't very strong. I think it'll just strengthen them a little bit, and that will probably be enough for the House of Lords to say, okay, we'll uh, we'll withdraw the amendment and go along with it.
0: Our thanks to Professor Steve Pears of the University of Essex School of Law and Professor Catherine Barnard of the University of Cambridge Faculty of Law for being with us here today on Bloomberg Law.